You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Monday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of The Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I will recap some of Sunday's games and preview Monday night's matchup between the Saints and Panthers. Plus, I'll do my weekly segment of High Flyer, Top Denier, and Under Fire. The Saints clinched the NFC South for a second consecutive year in Week 14 and will be looking to topple the Panthers on Monday night. Demario Davis says they are in prime position to achieve their ultimate goal, but must remain focused on the task at hand. All our goals are all our goals intact. You know, it's all our goals that we set out for or right in front of us. You know, and uh, so you know you can't take it for granted. You know, um, doing something like winning division is hard doing this league, and so you appreciate that. And um, you know, but then you gotta turn the page and get ready. The Panthers interplay trying to snap their five-game losing streak and will look to do so against the top team in the conference. At 6-7, the Panthers' playoff hopes are still alive, but Kwan Short reiterated that they must take it a game at a time. Uh, we just got to take it one game at a time. Uh, things are still falling in our favor right now. and. Uh, we got to come out this week and take advantage of you know, what's ahead of us. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. The Fall is another production of the Chase Podcast, covering the latest news and analysis around the National Football League. Turn the volume up. The Chase is on and the Chase is live. Now, Let's say break, It is Monday, December 17th on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs with you here for some more NFL coverage. I appreciate you taking the time to join me for yet another episode on this Monday as we get going. Christmas is right around the corner. 
Very excited to see family enjoy this blessed time with friends, with family, with those you love. So that is right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. Could not be more excited. So I hope you all have some good plans as well. But now in the NFL realm, we are putting a bow on week 15 and getting ready for week number 16. This NFL season has flown by it is almost playoff time. Things in the AFC and NFC are starting to shape up, but there's still plenty of uncertainty in both conferences as far as seeding goes and wildcard races. So plenty left to settle over the final two weeks of the season. And of course, tonight, Monday Night Football, Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints. Will the Panthers right the ship and finally knock off the Saints after getting swept three games to nothing last year, including a playoff loss? I'll break down that game and give you my score prediction. But before I get to that point, I will give you my high flyer, top denier, and under fire for the NFC and AFC. So let's go ahead and get going, shall we? So from the NFC, high flyer for me is Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. On this podcast last week, I called him out and said he needs to be better. He was working his way back from that shoulder injury that sidelined him for multiple weeks. He was pretty bad against the Rams. Now, granted, the Bears' defense came out to play and shut down Todd Gurley and Jared Goff, and so they got a big-time win in primetime. But Trubisky was careless with the ball, very inaccurate, and so I called him out. And I thought that he would have a bounce-back game in a closeout game over the Packers to finally win their first division title since 2010. And he did exactly that. He completed 20 of 28 passes for 235 yards and two touchdowns during Sunday's 24-17 win over Green Bay. They finally slayed the Dragon in the Packers. The Bears have not had a good track record against them in years past. And of course, Trubisky added 16 yards on three carries. And with the game tied at 14 early in the fourth, Trubisky threw a strike to the outbreaking tight end, Trey Burton, for a 13-yard score. And since then, Chicago never gave up the lead. Now, the box score isn't going to wow many people, but after five picks in his previous two games, a careful, efficient performance by Trubisky was a welcome sight for Bears fans and for head coach Matt Nagy. For that reason, Trubisky wins the High Flyer Award for the NFC. Now to the top denier in the NFC. I'm going to give it to Vikings outside linebacker Anthony Barr. Now, Barr has had a very quiet season. He's in a contract here looking to cash in in free agency. Things really hadn't been going his way. And his pass rushing prowess hadn't been on display entering Sunday's game as he only had one sack to his name through 10 starts because he has dealt with injuries so he's missed a couple of games but he doubled that total against the Miami Dolphins as he recorded two sacks and a number of pressures in the Vikings 41 to 17 win at U.S. Bank Stadium and get this 
That two-sack performance was the first multi-sack game of Barr's career. He finished with seven total tackles, five solo, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. Now, Barr had been successful when given the opportunity to rush the quarterback as he created 15 pressures on 76 rushes prior to Sunday's game. And this is according to Pro Football Focus. But he really just hadn't been able to get home to the quarterback But his success on Sunday was just a part of an incredible second half in which Minnesota sacked Ryan Tannehill a whopping eight times in a total of nine times. And credit Barr for showing up and showing out in a game that the Vikings absolutely needed to keep their wild card hopes alive. And he did just that. Anthony Barr showed flashes of his potential on Sunday. Now to NFC under fire, we go to Los Angeles in what was a stunning upset on Sunday night. The Los Angeles Rams dropped their second consecutive game. And under fire for me is Rams quarterback Jared Goff. Goff has rapidly descended from an MVP candidate to the bottom of the NFL. Over the last three weeks, Goff is dead last among all starting quarterbacks in passer rating. His passer rating over the last three weeks is 51.3. The only quarterback in the NFL who has started even one game and had a worse passer rating in that time is Mark Sanchez, who has been benched by the Washington Redskins from week one through the Rams' spectacular Monday night victory over the Chiefs in what was an entertaining shootout. Goff threw 26 touchdown passes and 6 interceptions during that span of success. Since then, Goff has thrown 1 touchdown pass and 7 interceptions. And these last 3 games were a win over the Lions that was closer than it should have been. A loss to the Bears and now a loss to the Eagles. So things are not going Goff's way. He looks rattled in the pocket. And for that reason, he's under fire as all of a sudden, while the Rams look like a lock for a first round bye, the Bears are just one game back of LA with two weeks to play. And if Goff is unable to get back on track, things could be heading south very quickly for Sean McVay's team. Now move to the AFC Conference. High flyer for me. This goes all the way back to Thursday night, but his performance was just so impressive that I got to roll with him despite Sunday's slate of games. And it's Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers. The Chargers 29-28 win over Kansas City is the biggest victory I think Rivers has enjoyed in years. Along with ending a nine-game losing streak to Kansas City. It enabled the Chargers to improve to 11-3 and move into a first-place tie with the Chiefs atop the AFC West. Now, obviously, Kansas City still owns the tiebreaker, so as long as they win out, they'll secure the division. However, the circumstances in which Rivers thrived in big moments at Arrowhead Stadium. Yes, he threw two costly interceptions in the red zone, 
but I think the most telling aspect of Thursday's win wasn't that Rivers completed 26 of 38 passes for 313 yards and two touchdowns. It's that he rallied his team once again when defeat seemed all but certain, trailing multiple possessions with four minutes left in the game. This was a contest where he was without Melvin Gordon, his number one tailback, who we all know the significance he brings to that offense. He lost his number one target, Keenan Allen, early in the first half due to a hip injury. And then Austin Eckler, the number two running back who also plays a big time role in the past game, was inactive. So he was doing this with two rookie running backs, undrafted for that matter, Detrez Newsome and Justin Jackson. And he pulled his team through when it seemed like their backs were against the wall and the Chiefs were going to extend their win streak to 10 over the Chargers. Rivers, the seasoned veteran, rallied his unit, made some clutch throws down the field to help this team win yet another impressive game on the road away from their home with an injury-depleted roster, turned back the clock to... When he did it against Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, he struck again. Phillip Rivers is putting together an MVP campaign at 37 years old. And his play continues to remind many people around the NFL that this Chargers team should not be taken lightly when the playoffs roll around. Now we'll go to the AFC top denier. And this player... Took the field on Saturday evening. It's Brown safety Jabril Peppers. Peppers was a first-round pick out of Michigan up to this point. Many would argue that he has been a quote-unquote bust, underwhelming. Hasn't been able to translate well to the safety position in the NFL. However, he put together his best game as a Cleveland Brown on a Saturday night at Mile High. When they knocked off the Broncos 17-16 to keep their slim playoff hopes alive, Peppers stuffed the stat sheet, finished the game with six total tackles, which were all solo, one sack, two tackles for loss, one pass defense, one quarterback hit, and one interception. Peppers' first big moment on Saturday night came with 150 left in the first half when he intercepted a Case Keenum pass intended for Cortland Sutton. Peppers came down with the ball and managed to keep both his feet inbounds on the sideline, which robbed Denver of an opportunity to get points before the break. And then, of course, I think his most significant play was the game sealer that came with 43 seconds left in regulation when the Broncos were driving the ball, trying to set up a game-winning field goal. But Peppers burst through the middle of the line on a fourth down play and sacked Keenum, which was his first career sack, putting the wraps on the Browns' sixth win of the year. Peppers was outstanding. He was all over the field and was a consistent force for Greg Williams' defense. And for that reason, Jabril Peppers, he stepped up a young player, and he may be well on his way to flourishing into the player that many people believed he could be when he was coming out of college.
Now to close out this segment, I'm going to go to AFC under fire, and I'm going to give it to Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Yes, I understand the Dolphins defense did not do their job when they were blown out 41-17 to on Sunday in Minnesota. But this loss was significant coming off the Miami Miracle. There is some momentum, mojo. People were buzzing again in Miami. But with this loss and a devastating one at that, it was the Dolphins' sixth loss in their last seven road games. And most importantly, Miami's aspiration of clinching a playoff spot appears to be quite bleak with two games remaining in the regular season. Tannehill, you look at his numbers, it was pretty atrocious. He completed 11 of 24 passes for just 108 yards and rushed one time for one yard and was sacked nine times. So I understand that this guy was under duress all game long. He didn't turn the ball over, but I think that's the only positive that you can really take from Tannehill's performance. He's been playing with a banged up ankle Miami could barely move the ball with their two touchdowns of the game coming on a pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick and a 75-yard run by rookie running back Kalen Balage. But while you look at Tannehill's numbers and people say, well, his stats aren't that bad. It looks like he's pretty solid when healthy. Well, pro football focus tells a different story. Through 15 weeks, Tannehill's average depth of target sits at just 8.7 yards downfield, which is good for 16th among 38 quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts this year. And then Pro Football Focus later goes on to say that the bulk of Tannehill's attempts, which is 62.9% on the year, have been targeted either behind the line of scrimmage or in the short range, one to nine yards downfield, which is the league's 10th highest rate, which means that he's rarely testing defenses deep down the field. This guy has been under question there in Miami. People are always wondering, is this guy the long-term answer at the quarterback position? But yet, Gase has consistently backed Ryan Tannehill as his starting quarterback. But I think time is running out. Steven Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, apparently recently said that he's unsure if he's going to make any changes after the season. And that's brought Tannehill's future with the Dolphins in question. And I think it may be time for Miami to pull the plug on Ryan Tannehill because this guy does not scare defenses with his ability to throw the ball down the field that was on display on Sunday. That explains why Minnesota was so aggressive with the blitz because they don't respect Tannehill and they didn't believe that he had the high football IQ and accuracy to make them pay for bringing the house. And that's just another testament to the lack of talent that Tannehill has as a pocket passer. So for that reason, I give Ryan Tannehill the under fire label as we prepare for the last couple weeks of the regular season. Now I'll go ahead and move into my Monday night football preview between the 11-2 New Orleans Saints and the 6-7 Carolina Panthers. Monday, December 17th, we're a week away from Christmas Eve. 
We are in the thick of things in the playoff race. The Saints, they've already clinched the NFC South for the second consecutive season and wrapped up at least one playoff home game. With that being said, the Saints have the inside track to claim a bye and make the NFC go through New Orleans and the Dome as they close Week 15 out with the Monday Night Showdown with their division rival. Now, these division rivals, they squared off three times last season with the Saints winning both regular season games by double digits. And then they went on to hold off Carolina 31-26 to at home in the wild card round of the 2017 postseason. The Saints at 11-2, they reclaimed the top spot in the NFC after the Bears knocked off the Rams last Sunday night which dropped the Rams to 11-2, but we have to remember that the Saints do own the tiebreaker as they defeated the Rams earlier this season. And as for the Panthers, despite their five-game losing streak, they are still in the wildcard race in the NFC as they're one of six and seven teams who are just half a game back of the Minnesota Vikings for that number six seed now look, things have gotten ugly in Carolina for Ron Rivera's unit because their last victory came on November 4th, which has been well over a month and a half. That win was against the Buccaneers and they improved to 6-2 and two and were regarded as an NFC heavyweight and contender. But since that day, they have dropped games to the Steelers, the Lions, the Seahawks, Buccaneers, and the Browns in week number 14. The Panthers made changes to their coaching staff, firing Brady Hokey, their defensive line coach, letting go of a secondaries coach, looking for ways to restore that momentum. But what a time to be alive for the Panthers, as despite this nasty skid, they're still in contention to play into January. Ron Rivera's job is on the line there in Carolina as new owner David Tepper came out a couple of weeks ago and this was a report that was published by CBS Sports Insider Jason LaConfora who said that Tepper quote-unquote is looking at making big-time changes in the offseason if the Panthers are unable to right the ship in the final three weeks of the season. You know, Rivera is feeling the heat. As I talked about previously, as I did feature Rivera and the Panthers in my high-flyer, top-denier, and under-fire segment multiple times, you do not go out firing assistant coaches if you are not feeling the heat to get the job done. So big time matchup for both teams, right? But for Carolina, it's to a new level or needs to be a higher level of urgency for the home team. Now I want to talk about some key matchups in tonight's game. So first one being the Panthers rush offense against the Saints front seven Carolina enters play with the second-ranked rushing attack behind only the Seattle Seahawks. The Panthers are averaging 137 yards on the ground per contest. 
to go along with a healthy average of 5.4 yards per carry. Christian McCaffrey's been sensational for Carolina. He leads the team in rushing with 926 yards and 7 touchdowns this season. It's also worth noting that he leads them in receiving as well with 86 receptions for 701 yards and 6 scores. So really, McCaffrey has been the staple of this Carolina offense. Now, for the opposition, the Saints, they own the top-ranked rush defense, limiting opponents to just 77 yards per game with a 3.6 yards per carry average, which is tied for the best in the NFL with the Houston Texans and the Dallas Cowboys. So you know this is a unit that strives on stopping their opponent's rushing attack to really suffocate them and get the ball back to Drew Brees and their high-powered offense. Now, there's been a lot of questions about, well, do the Saints really have the number one ranked rush defense or is it just them benefiting off of teams playing from behind against the Saints where they ditch the run game and really just pass it and so there's been all kinds of debates as to just how good this Saints unit is but I truly believe they left their mark against the Dallas Cowboys and I know they lost 13 to 10 but they still held Ezekiel Elliott under 100 rush yards and below four yards per carry so to me that game really solidified themselves as the real deal they have not given up a hundred yard rusher in a long while so you look at these guys Tyler Davison Sheldon Rankins Cam Jordan these are some run stuffers that really will plug the gaps and make it difficult for any type of running back whether they're a power back or they're a versatile back like they'll see in Christian McCaffrey things do not flow easily on the ground when going up against a stifling New Orleans run defense now Carolina they've continued to run the ball well despite this losing streak that they're currently on but it's going to be a new challenge because look if Carolina cannot win the time of possession battle over the Saints which appears to be the recipe to knock these guys off then they're going to be in a world of trouble trying to rely on their leaky defense to get frequent stops against Drew Brees and their offense so Christian McCaffrey this is a game that he must get going the offensive line there in Carolina I'm talking about the interior in specific left guard there Greg Van Roten Ryan Khalil and Trey Turner those three are going to need to generate push at the line of scrimmage and win that battle in the trenches to get this offense going and look for Cam Newton who's also been very effective as a runner this season to get some design quarterback runs trying to get him going set fuel to his fire as Norv Turner looks to rejuvenate what has been a lifeless Carolina offense in recent weeks so this matchup the Panthers rush offense against the Saints front seven is pivotal for the Panthers to have a chance at knocking off their division foe now another matchup here 
the Saints passing attack against the Carolina secondary. While the Saints have one of the league's most potent offenses, which is a statement we can all agree on, their passing attack has not been as productive as some may think. In fact, they rank in the middle of the pack at 11th overall, averaging 264 yards per game. Now, this is, of course, a factor of their efficient rushing attack with Olivan Kamara and Mark Ingram. So, Breeze is not having to throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game like he once had to do. Now, you're seeing Drew Breeze put together performances for 150 yards to the air, maybe 200, a touchdown here, a touchdown there. You're seeing Taysom Hill enter the game as that Wildcat quarterback to keep defenses off balance. So, a lot has been taken off of Drew Breeze's plate. Now all he has to worry about is making those pivotal throws in big moments, which he has done all season long, but that doesn't change the fact that they are a difficult unit to stop. In Carolina, this secondary has not been good enough. That is just a clear fact as they rank 20th defending the pass. James Bradbury, Dante Jackson, the rookie, who's had himself a nice season, so I'm not knocking his performance at all, but it looks like opposing offenses have started to pick on him a little bit more, especially down the field, so he's going to be on high alert, and you better believe Drew Brees is going to want to test them early and often. Captain Munnerlin playing that nickel corner, Eric Reed, Mike Adams, they're going to have to wake up from their slumber and answer the bell if they want to avoid embarrassment in front of their home fans. This is the game where they need to rise to the occasion because the Saints, Michael Thomas, this guy is their leading receiver. He's got 1,200 plus yards, eight touchdowns. And then you also have to recognize Kamara as a dual threat running back and receiver. He has 70 catches for 591 yards and eight touchdowns out of the backfield. And a lot of people will say, well, the Saints really don't have any other wideout other than Thomas that is capable of terrorizing defenses. But at the same time, you just never know which other target of Drew Brees is going to play a role in their success. It's been a couple of undrafted free agents this year in many different occasions and weeks where they're hauling in multiple touchdowns in a game. But don't discredit Traquan Smith and Kirkwood, who are two young wideouts that have developed good chemistry with Breeze down the field. They're both gifted athletically. They bring size to the table. So this Carolina secondary will be challenged. And you better believe that Sean Payton is going to come out looking to attack them deep down the field, knowing that Eric Reed who has been really good for Carolina. They signed him off the street, and he's provided some stability, especially in run support, but he has lacked at times covering the pass, so that could be a weak spot that the Saints look to exploit as this game goes on. So keep an eye on that matchup. And the last matchup here that I want to break down before I give my prediction is the Panthers' air attack against the Saints' secondary 
This is something to watch. Cam Newton has had an inconsistent season this year, roller coaster up and down. I know he's been dealing with a sore throwing shoulder, so the Panthers have been cautious with his practice workload this season. And clearly something is wrong when Carolina threw a Hail Mary before halftime. They put in a backup quarterback just to make sure that Newton would not aggravate his shoulder ailment. But going all the way back to November 4th when they had their last victory, this was an offense that was viewed as one of the league's best dynamic, versatile offenses. People were starting to use North Turner's game plan, plucking plays from his pocket of tricks, and it was an exciting thing to watch. But since then, we know they have really fallen into a slump offensively and have not been as crisp as they were in the first half of the season. The Panthers... They have the 15th ranked passing unit, but they should have plenty of opportunities to expose the Saints 28th ranked pass defense. And one talking point here in this conversation, it's Devin Funches. This guy's in a contract year. He's looking to cash in in free agency. He had some weeks earlier in the year where he put up some big time numbers. He was a force for defenses. People had to make sure that he was doubled in the red zone. But since then, he has not had more than four receptions and 44 yards in a game since November 4th against the Buccaneers. He's tallied these statistics since three receptions for 32 yards against Pittsburgh, two receptions for 39 yards against Detroit, one reception for 10 yards and a touchdown against the Buccaneers. And then he was blanked out against Cleveland, zero receptions in week number 14. Newton must reestablish a connection with Funches. I know they've been out of sync, it seems like, the last several weeks, but especially with Greg Olson out of the lineup, and I know Ian Thomas, the young rookie, has stepped in and filled in admirably the last couple of games. But Funches, this guy, I think he means so much to this offense and their rhythm. And until Newton can finally get him involved in this passing attack, I think they'll continue to struggle and tread water. I understand they have different weapons that Newton likes to go to in Curtis Samuel, who, by the way, has been their leading receiver the last two weeks. He had six receptions for 88 yards against Tampa and then four receptions for 80 yards against Cleveland. So you know this is a guy that can be an impact player and is excellent in yards after the catch ability. But look for Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints' clear-cut number one corner, to likely shadow Funches, and maybe he sees Curtis Samuel as well. And this, of course, would be if Funches is non-existent in the first half of play. But other than Lattimore, these New Orleans corners have had their share of struggles. Eli Apple, we've seen him get beat deep. Time and time again, P.J. Williams, he's had his up and downs as well. And then their safeties, Marcus Williams and Kurt Coleman, the former Panther. So, you know, he's going to be playing with a little bit more juice to him there. They've been formidable for the Saints secondary and Dennis Allen's unit. However, that is a weak spot defending the pass. So the Panthers, they could wake up, they could hurt them 
in the air and their passing attack get Devin Funches involved Samuel as well and then how about the rookie DJ Moore they have all the firepower let's not forget that so I think this matchup heavily favors Carolina if Cam Newton can have a nice day passing the football and this is of course if he can have a clean pocket and time to throw the ball now time for my game prediction and listen people I know I may be crazy picking the underdog in these circumstances Carolina's losing streak the Saints riding high but I'm going to roll with the upset pick give me the Panthers in this matchup I think the Cowboys laid out a blueprint on how to limit the Saints offense and while I still believe the New Orleans Saints will have their success and I'm sure they're going to hang up a nice amount of points in Carolina I think the Panthers at this time they have more to play for with their season hanging in the balance in the NFL and in many situations desperate times call for desperate measures and with their backs against the wall I feel like the Panthers will rally behind Ron Rivera to keep their dim playoff hopes alive I look for Cam Newton to explode tonight in front of his home crowd I look for this defense that it carries such an athletic dynamic linebacking core of Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis and Shaq Thompson this is the game for those three to have their presence felt against Drew Brees if they can fluster him with their pass rush Mario Addison get K1 short and Don Terry Poe working up the middle and this Saints offensive line has been incredible this year so I'm not saying it's gonna be an easy task for Carolina to penetrate at the line of scrimmage especially when it comes to stopping Kamara and Mark Ingram but I feel like they're gonna come out with a chip on their shoulder they clearly remember what happened last year where they were 0-3 against the New Orleans Saints they understand that there is immense pressure mounting on their shoulders they have a golden opportunity thanks to the Vikings loss where they're just half a game back of that sixth spot the time is now for a talented Panthers team to wake up and I think they do just that in prime time give me the Panthers 31 to 27 over the New Orleans Saints so there you have it my week 15 Monday night football preview between the Panthers and Saints looking forward to watching it I will be back on Wednesday to give my midweek NFL recap of some of the top storylines that are going around the league as well as continuing to look at this NFL playoff picture. Until then, have a great evening and God bless. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.